Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. One lesson I wish I would learn early in my Christian journey is how to embrace the challenge of responsibility. I want I wish I could would embrace being more reliable, more trustworthy, taking my responsibilities over things that I had control over more seriously. See, responsibility responsibility can either be embraced or it can it can be embraced with enthusiasm or dread. You know, you can be enthusiastic about your responsibilities. You can be intense and passionate about it. You can have you can be divinely inspired by your responsibilities or you could dread your responsibilities. You could dread, you could be fearful, you could feel apprehensive or reluctant about your responsibilities. See, taking on responsibility develops character. In the person, it also helps them to mature in their walk with Christ. See, responsibility is going to require self-denial. Now, let me explain something real quickly before I go on. I'm talking about godly responsibility, not the world's responsibility, not things of that not that don't belong to God. But I'm talking about godly responsibilities. I'm not talking about you got a responsible for stuff that may or may not matter. I'm talking about godly responsibility. An example in my estimation that Jesus gives us as believers can be found in the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. So turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. The Bible reads as follows. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, those are response he wants us to have in this. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So if anyone desires, if anyone has a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen, you got to have a strong desire to follow after Jesus. You got to have it because the enemy will try to come after your desire. He will challenge you that following Jesus is not worth it. He will tell you that following our Savior does not pay off. But some of us been in this long enough to know that following Jesus is well worth it. When you follow him, you're going to have to deny yourself. Now, deny may seem negative, but actually it's actually positive. See, deny simply means to forget or lose sight of oneself. But when you take up your cross, I like what it says here. Take up his cross, individual cross. Your cross is not my cross and my cross is not her cross and and her cross is not his his cross. Everybody has a cross to take up. Everybody has a cross to take up. And your cross may not look like my cross, but you got a cross to take up. You got a responsibility to take up when, as you follow our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
So we see here there are three things that the Lord is asking of us in this text. One, deny yourself. Two, take up a level of daily suffering, self-sacrificing, and selfishness. And three, join him as an attendant service. Take up your cross and follow me. Follow Jesus. Follow him. Follow him when it's good. Follow him when it's challenging. Follow him when you got money. Follow him when you don't have money. Follow him when you're challenging your body. Follow him when you're feeling well. Follow Jesus. Everybody say, follow Jesus. Jesus may gives us a tall order individually as well as collectively. And when a person has lost sight of themselves and their interests, they must focus in on Jesus. Or the enemy may come in and try to distract the person, causing that person to get completely off track with their purpose. When you deny yourself, when you deny yourself, when you say, hey, I'm not doing it my way anymore, I'm doing it his way, you got to focus in on Jesus. Because if you don't focus in on Jesus, you will start to think that, hey, why am I doing this? What purpose does it have? And the enemy will try to answer your question before you know it. He'll try to tell you, hey, praying is not working. He'll try to tell you giving God his tithes and his offerings is not beneficial to you. He'll try to tell you that doing right unto others is not the way to go. Look at what's happening in your life personally. And now you tell me that following Jesus is the way to go? Oh, the enemy will try to answer that question. But how many know God has better for you when you follow Jesus? Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, he got better here. We know we say better is here and better is coming, but this is a reality in the believer's life. The enemy will try to tell you that we don't deserve certain things. Uh, and that could be true because it may not be in God's timing, but don't think that God has not, is not going to give it to you. You may be challenged in your body, but you know God gonna heal your body. You may be saying, I've got debt, but God said, I'm going to cancel that debt according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You may know that God, all types of things are coming your way, but God knows how to do what he said he's going to do. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. You know God is doing exceedingly, abundantly above anything we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You know God is doing better for your life. Yeah. I know the enemy will tell you he's not, it's not working. He'll try to tell you that walking, following our omniscient God is not working. But as you continue to take up your cross and follow him, you're going to see better begin to manifest in, our, in your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It may not come today. It may not come last week or the week before that. Who knows what tomorrow may bring. Monday morning, you may see that check in the mail you've been waiting for for years. Tuesday, you may see that healing you've been looking for. Wednesday, hey, you may come back from vacation and there in the mailbox is that check. Woo-wee. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Everybody looking for bills when they come back. Hey, I'm looking for money when I come back. I don't know about you. Look, I'm waiting for my bills when I come. No, I'm looking for checks in the mail. Check. Everybody say checks in the mail. Knows I said more than one check. Hallelujah. And so he says this. 
As we deny ourselves, he wants us to take up our cross. Take it up. Take it up. And don't dread taking up your cross. Is I, I used to dread, oh God, I got to take up my cross. You know what's interesting about it? Didn't even know what it meant. I was saying, take up your cross. Oh, God, I got to take up my cross. And then I'm thinking, what does that even mean? I'm like, and see, I'm starting to dread something that really I have no understanding about. And I'm thinking about this. I wonder how many people dread stuff, don't even know what it's about. Dread going to the doctor, but ain't got no idea what they're going to say. Dread getting your blood pressure taken, but have no idea what they're going to say. Dread, get, listen, listen, you see something in the mail. What's that right there? In your mind, you're like, oh God, I know they'll think get some money from me. It ain't even money. I mean, excuse me, not even a, a, a bill, but it could be something different. But you can dread stuff. Not even knowing what it is. Not even knowing what it is. So, to get a picture of what it's like to take your cross. Now, we're not going to be as extreme as our Savior. We're going to look at something a little more different. I want us to look at what Jesus went through. I want us to look at what our Savior went through. Understanding that when you take up your cross and you follow him, you, you may have opposition. People may op- come against you. Situations may come against you. There could be inward, inward carnal desires may oppose you. At times you got to deal with outside enemies as well as the inner enemies. See, self-denial requires a fight from within. It takes power to tell yourself no, especially when you want it. Look how y'all looking in here right now. You can put certain things on a table and some things are not even going to bother me. I don't even want them. You say, well, you put this in front of me, and like, man, that don't even bother me. You may like it, but it don't bother me. But you put certain things in front of me, woo-wee. And I know how good it is. I know how good Miss Missy cook. And you say, don't eat but a little bit of it? Oh, God. I might have a problem right now. You say, you can only get a spoonful a spoonful. Woo. Woo. I start to feel that on the inside. You follow me? Huh? I'm hungry. And you tell me I can only have a spoonful. I mean a spoonful. All this good food here, but I can only have a spoonful. Spoonful. Ooh, spoonful. Woo. Oh, a spoonful. Somebody say a spoonful. See, that could bother me. That could bother me. So I need help. I need help. How many, uh, when dealing with life, you just need help? Anybody here not need help? I mean, I need to, I need to know your secret. Cause I need help. I thank God, God gives us help. John 16 and 13 reads as follows. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, He's going to guide us. He's going to lead us and teach us and instruct us and advise us 
into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell us things to come. See, I need the Holy Spirit and we, I'm going to say we, I mean I, but we need the Holy Spirit to continue to guide us to overcome the attacks from the outside as well as the inner me. Insecurities. I got, I need help. Sometimes I'm fighting against insecurities. Sometimes I'm fighting against low self-esteem. Sometimes I'm fighting against lack of self-respect. It's a fight. But thank God the Holy Spirit is teaching and advising us and guiding us to victory. And if we take heed to what the Holy Spirit is advising us and instructing us and telling us, he will give us the victory. He will show us, hey, if you just take this spoonful and you're faithful over this spoonful, I'm going to make sure that you're faithful over this. I'm going to give you much. Oh, God. You got to understand, sometimes being in self-denial, if you will just take advantage of the spoonful, be grateful for that. You, who knows what tomorrow may be? Who knows what tomorrow may bring? But I got to be faithful over this. I'm going to pray over this. I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to, listen, I'm going to savor the spoonful because I know that sooner or later, woo-wee, abundance is going to come. But you got to be faithful over the less. So in turn, God can bless you with what? More. And sometimes you need help in being faithful over the little. I need help being faithful over the little. Because I want much in my mind, but it's not time yet. Because why? Really, I'm not handling the spoonful too well. I got to make sure I am faithful over that so God will bless me with more. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me overcome obstacles that will try to hinder us from being who all God wanted me to be. I, got, I need help with, from the Holy Spirit, from the inner man that's dealing with all types of uh, questions about certain things going on in my life. Questions about my manhood. Questions about my womanhood. Questions about am I a good mother? Questions am I about a, a good provider? Questions am I a good uh matriarch over my family. Questions always are trying to hinder us in what we're doing for God. Am I doing well enough to be the person that God has called for me to be? Am I praying like I should? Am I studying like I should? Am I a good faithful witness over this? Why is it I can pray for everybody else, but I'm going through in my own personal why is, am I going through all of this? When questions rise up, listen, I'm giving, but yet I don't see the breakthrough that God promised me in his word. I'm praying for everybody else and they're getting healed. They're getting delivered. They're seeing the power of God. But I got my own personal struggles going on right here. I got my own personal dilemmas that I'm dealing with. It's the inner me. And one fact is certain that if we deny ourselves, if we continue to deny ourselves, let me just say this to you. If you continue to deny yourself, you will not be disappointed from with God. You won't be disappointed with God because God does not disappoint. He doesn't. He doesn't disappoint. So we should not have dread in losing ourselves, but embrace the process because it will lead to better. 
So therefore, fathers, men, women, youth, children, so forth, we must be responsible. We must be responsible. Now, to get a picture of how we take up our cross, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I remember when I first heard, take up your cross and follow me, I thought about Jesus on the cross. I was like, "Woo." If that's what it takes, I'm in bad trouble. I can't hardly take a splinter. Therefore, I can't take a hand, I mean, nailing my hands to a cross, nailing my feet to a cross. Not to mention, if they would start beating me with a cat and nine tail. That might be the short. I'm just being real with you. I, well, Pastor, I, you know, I would have took it like I'm a, well, that's you. Me, if they'd start beating with a cat and nine tail, that'd have been it. That'd have been it. That'd have been it. Start lying on me. I might have twisted their tongue. Start telling the truth. <laughs> oh, see, that's, but they, it was all part of the plan. Because we needed redeeming. And how many know we needed help? I mean, I mean, if you ain't got no problems, you're okay. If you don't need saving, you're okay. But most of us in this sanctuary realized we needed a savior because we needed saving. So it's hard for me to point my fingers at everybody else when I know I needed saving. Because now some people are, they, they start pointing fingers at everybody else, but forget about that God saved them too. And I'm glad he don't bring up what he saved us from. Well, thank y'all for two and a half. Amen. I'm glad God don't have a veto screen right here and talking about, hey, you know what you did? Every time we start trying to downplay somebody, hear God start playing a veto screen above our head. You remember when you was at? And you remember when you did? And you remember when you by that, went by that certain store and then you went by to that certain club and you went to that certain place? Oh! And now you got the nerve to point your finger at somebody else? That's why we needed scriptures like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, when I was studying this, one of the things that stood out to me in this text is, is that Jesus went to the cross with joy. Joy. I mean, he was glad. He was happy. He was delighted. He was gratified. See, I was thinking about this because the cross wasn't a glorious place. Beat with a cat and nine tails. Nailed to a cross for something he did not do. Not a glorious place, but Jesus went there with joy. And I think about the number of trials and tribulation I go through. And here I am complaining. Here I am upset. But notice, Jesus went to the cross and had joy about it. 
Who are we to start complaining because we don't get our way? Who are we to get upset because we don't get what we want at the certain time we want it? When Jesus went to the cross with delight. When Jesus was beat, and I can imagine it hurt him. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind this was painful. I can't even put into words how painful it was. I remember uh, watching the movie and I was thinking about, man, this has to be awful. What he went through for people like me. Then you read a scripture like this and he did it with joy. We have to ask ourselves an honest question. Who or what is controlling our joy? Do you let circumstance control your joy? Do you let what you listen, situations control your joy? Or have you made up in your mind that I am going to have joy despite what goes on around me? See, in my opinion, this level of joy comes from someone who is committed to the will of God rather than the approval of people. I like that about God. I like that. I like that. Because this is what he says here. Notice what Hebrews, Hebrew writer tells us. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The witnesses are those who after his example have proved the genuineness of their faith in Christ. They understand the faith of Christ. They understand that you got to walk by faith and not by sight. You got to be faithful. You got to be responsible to the will of God in your life. You've got to do that. It's not going to be always easy. Not always going to be like everything going to go your way. But still, even in the process, I'm going to have joy. I'm still, I'm not going to allow what I'm dealing with, my responsibilities in Christ, my responsibility to pray, my responsibility to give, my responsibility to love my neighbor. I'm not going to be dreading that. I'm going to embrace it with joy. Because it's not about you, it's about me and my relationship with him. Because if he endured the cross, who am I not to love you and talk about where you don't deserve to be loved? Who are you to tell, listen, tell Christ after everything he gave and all he asked is for the times. After everything Jesus gave, who are we to turn our nose up at other people? Well, he died for us. He died. He died. Not, they didn't just kill him and it was over. They tortured him. For a length of time. And he did it for us. But notice he endured that cross. He held fast. He bared it bravely. And I thought about this. What, listen to what the scripture says. He despising the shame. He thought little of and thought nothing of the shame. Historians and scholars believe that actually when he hung on that cross, he actually didn't have any clothes on. But he despised the shame. Shame is defined. As disgrace or dishonor. 
He did not let what he was going through dictate how he was going to react. But how many of us let what we go through dictate how we're going to react? It's not easy. And here we are. And and listen, when I'm saying this, I'm saying, God, I repent. Because I have come up short. You went through everything you went through. And listen, you did it with joy. Here I am not getting my way because they don't return my phone call or return my text. And I'm getting upset. He endured. He endured. See, taking responsibility does not mean we will not go through challenges mentally or physically or both at the same time. It does require us to take control of our actions and our feelings in the situation, no matter how others may respond to us. We can control our actions, but not the reactions of others. You can't control other people, y'all. You cannot control other people. Let me say this the third time to make sure y'all hear me on this. You cannot control how other people react. You can only control how you react in a situation. They may get upset after you say something. You'll get upset with them. They start cussing. You will start cussing too. They tell a lie. You will tell a better lie. How do we react? Therefore, as we learn how to control, we have to learn how to trust the Lord in this process. We got to trust him wholeheartedly. We got to have confidence and assurance in him wholeheartedly and have the joy. Now, it's going to take something. Therefore, if you're going to have joy when you're going through a rough trial, you have to trust the Lord wholeheartedly. How do you, how do you have joy when, when you see the world going haywire around you? Bills acting funny. When bills act funny, then you're you being challenging your body at the same time, and then your children don't want to act right, then you got to trust the Lord that everything's going to be all right. You got to trust. I mean, you got I mean, to trust. I'm talking when that bill is funny, 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 and that money is funny, funny, funny. You got to trust the Lord wholeheartedly. Trust him. Well, it, it, it's not going the way I thought it should. I, but you got to trust him. You got to trust him. Well, I don't see it the way that I thought it was going to happen. You got to trust him. I don't see it. It's not working. I don't listen. You think it's not working, but all things are working together for the good because you love God and you called according to his purpose. It's still working, but you may it may not come out the way you think it ought to work. God doesn't do things the way you, you want things done. I listen, I've been with God long enough to know that He's not gonna do it the way I think it ought to be done. I'm more concerned about the result than I am. The process, process, I, man, one day my wife said, what are you going to do today? Well, I got this plan, but one phone call can change all that. <laughs> I'm going to try to be led by the Holy Spirit. Is he leading God? I mean, all true. Now, Proverbs, you don't have to go to him. We'll read it to you. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six, put in your notes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
And let me tell you something, your own understanding can mess you up. I'll just tell you that up front. Because, listen, you can look at stuff. I mean, you can look at it, and, and what you see is not lying to you. When you go pull that ATM, and you pull the balance up, on the screen is $2.47. That is not a lie. And they're not going to give you $20 when you got $2.47 in that account. All right? But it doesn't mean God's not going to supply the need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean he's not going to supply it. $2.47 is not lying, but does not mean God's not going to supply the need. God's going to do it. How he do it? I don't know. He's just going to do it. Isn't it good to know the need met? You don't know how he does it every time, but he knows what he's doing. So I trust him. How many trust God despite what you see? That's it. You got to. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. We need to prepare ourselves with God's written and revealed word before we go to the crosses in our lives. So we're better prepared to deal with the accusation. That's the cross. The cross of accusation. The cross of lies. The cross of persecution. And so forth. Whatever your cross is. Remember, we all have different crosses. But you got a cross to bear. You got a cross to bear. Jesus endured the cross and he wants us to endure what life brings at us and still remain in the faith as we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author, the chief, the creator, and the finisher, the perfecter, one who is the highest example of faith according to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Jesus has taken on the ultimate responsibility for all of mankind. Our responsibilities will not be like Jesus, but they're enough to keep us busy. (laughs) You got enough on your plate to keep you busy. You don't have time to try to get everybody else's business to find out what they're doing. You got enough to keep you busy. You got enough. You got, listen, you got enough scriptures to study. You got enough prayers to pray. You got enough to follow the will of God for your life. You got enough. You definitely got enough. Now, we as believers do not have to take on responsibility without help. Thank God for help. Give you another scripture. Psalms 46 and verse 1. Psalms 46 and verse 1 reads as follows. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. God assists us when we get in trouble. He provides aid for us when we get in trouble. He provides support for us when we get in trouble. And the best help you can ever get comes from God. Best help. And sometimes God's help is to leave you in what you in so you can mature in your walk with Christ. And that's God helping you because responsibility requires you to grow up. Grow up. Responsibilities. One thing I, uh, I told y'all for the years is something else. When your name on the bill, they come to the house. Whether it come through email, e-bill, or whatever it is, but when your name on it, that's totally different. Totally different. Totally different. Totally different. When that light bill come, it's got Richard Dobbs on the outside of it. 
And so Richard and Cassandra Dawes are responsible for it. You think I'm going out by myself? Because <laughs> oh, they get cut off. They get cut off for <laughs> what she did <there> too. <laughs> you follow me? That's responsibility. I keep talking about, well, in Jesus' name, I don't want to lay this bill on the table. He cut that, he cut that, who cut that, Lord, pay it. And I come back when it's paid. Your life will be cut off with that bill still sitting right there. <laughs> you got to go to the place or do it online or however you pay your bills, it got to be paid. That's responsibility. Responsibility requires you to do something about your situation. Requires you to do something. And I thank God for those responsible people that do, that, listen, that take responsibility. Thank God for a present help. A responsible father and mothers, we need help with our families, help with our families, our finances, our health, our health, spiritual walk, church life, decision making, businesses, jobs, careers, and so forth. A responsible father, a father is responsible and eager to allow the Holy Spirit to teach, instruct, influence, correct, direct, and guide them. Now, let's go to Ephesians 6 and 4. See, Ephesians 6 to 4 is almost the tale of me of two different, uh, what I call fathers, but really, it's really one. But it has two, almost, it would almost seem like two opposite connotations for me. First of all, I want to deal with the first part of this. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now, first of all, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. He considered Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, as a faithful, as being faithful in Christ Jesus. What I mean by being faithful, they believed in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He also spoke to them about various topics, such as the redemption of Christ. You find that in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. You also see he dealt with praying for spiritual wisdom and knowledge of, of him. Ephesians 1 and 17. Keeping the unity of the faith. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. How not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. And he speaks specifically to children and their parents in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. And of course, another, another, all types of, there's all types of different topics in there. We also see where we get uh, the fivefold ministry is in that particular book, is in this book as well. Now, we can appreciate this legend of church in Ephesus because it lets us know that we can be faithful to God and we still need help. <laughs> Shut up. Woo. See, you can be faithful to God and you still need help. And this is what I want to Let me say this. Let me put this on the table. Nothing wrong with needing help. Nothing wrong with needing help and being responsible enough to say, hey, I need help. I don't know everything. There are some things I need help with. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. 
And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. First of all, father is defined as a male parent, a male ancestor, such as a grandfather. By Paul making this statement, we conclude that fathers can be part of the reason that we so, see so much anger in today's society. What I thought was interesting about this, as I go a little further, is that children can, can uh, be provoked or aroused or exasperated to wrath, which another word for wrath is anger, by godly reasons as well as ungodly reasons. Which I thought was interesting because it just says, do not provoke your children to wrath. Sometimes children get angry because you discipline them. They don't like the fact that you discipline them. And that is a godly thing, but hey, that's just reality. And as a parent, you have to discipline your children. Now, you don't have to. Let me say this. You don't have to, but whew, you have problems. I put to you, long story short, if you don't have problems, society going to have problems. Somebody's going to have problems. Let's look at a few examples. When young boys need the male example to love their mother and protect their household, the father was not there. Instead, people were in and out of the household hurting and harming the mother as well as the children. Another example could be when a young man needs to know how to put God first, work and provide for their family. Maybe his father was not there. Instead, the son saw the mom struggling, going without and working extra jobs while sick and not sick in order to make ends meet. Another example could be when the daughter needed the father to love and affirm her, he was not around. And she grew up needing the affirmation, began to seek it from whoever would give it to her. Another example could be this. Maybe the father was there, but he was too busy in the streets, hanging with the fellows, or working too hard to tend to the spiritual and the natural needs. And there could be a number of different examples. Again, there could be examples that I did not mention, but it led to anger. In all these examples, anger has so many opportunities to manifest and express itself in ways that can change the trajectory of a person's life. Anger can lead to bitterness, fear, violence, hatred, and not become a, excuse me, and can become a weapon, weapon of destruction. And let me say this to you. As fathers, don't be afraid to repent. Ask God to forgive you. Ask that child to forgive you. Because the past is the past. You can't go back and change it, but you can do better in the future. Because Jesus has given us command to provoke not your children to wrath, he knows the magnitude of this particular responsibility. And that's just reality of it. And let me say something to our children. If you have become angry in the past, don't let that cause your future to be jacked up. 
Don't try to hang everything that happened in your past on your father. Now is the time to repent, get with Jesus, let him heal you, and just do better. I'm not going to say your father was always there. He could have been or might not have been. But it does not give us an excuse to continue to be angry. Mm-hmm. Boy, that was a good one right there. Because sometimes children will try after they've been grown, they've been, they, listen, 30 years old, they still blaming their father for behavior they're doing right now. We, that should not be. Repent. Ask God to forgive you and start doing right. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach and to guide you. Fathers, repent, get it right, and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide you. One thing God always gives us is a place to get things right. Is that right? Now, the second part of this is he, Ephesians 4, says, he says this. But bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Notice what God uses Paul to tell the church at Ephesus. Bring them up. Now, if he did not anoint the fathers to do this, Paul never would have wrote this in this text. Fathers are anointed with the ability to carry this part of scripture out. Why would Paul put it in there if they didn't have the ability to do it? And when you see fathers carrying out their responsibility to the best of their ability, we should give them respect. Respect can be defined as a deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. See, Paul goes on to set a huge responsibility for the fathers in this particular text. Latter part says this, but bring them up, nourish them, mature them, cherish them, train them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Bring them up. You got the ability to do it, fathers. I've given you that ability. I put something inside of you to carry out this scripture. To nourish means to provide what is necessary to bring growth, help, to provide provide better conditions. The written and revealed word of God nourishes us and brings nourishment to our children. Look at, look at Paul's letter. He's letting them know that fathers have a responsibility as well as a duty to provide spiritual and natural Foods for them to continue our training, training the children in the exhortation of the Lord. Let's look at the seven examples, which is actually the seven examples or the definitions that they give for training. One, education and spiritual matters, financial health matters, relationship, business, as well as ministry. Ed- educating our children in spiritual matters. This is what you need to understand. If you don't know it, provide the avenue for them to get it. There's a lot of things I don't know, but I, listen, I didn't take my, I did not homeschool my children. Some people do that, that's fine. 
I knew that Dobbs didn't have the patience for it. The skill or the know-how. So some people can do that. They, they, they train themselves and they prepare themselves and so forth. But you know what? I tried to make sure they had the best education they could get. Are y'all seeing the difference there? I didn't do it, but just provided the necessary means for them to do it. And when they had questions about education, I went to the best person I knew. Their mother. Highly intelligent woman who can direct their children. If they listened to her, they, they did a whole lot better. Because I just didn't know. Now, when it came to other things, I was able to help. Now, when it comes to getting your car fixed, hey, I can, hey, you take your car up to so-and-so place, let me know what they say, and I guide you from them. You follow me here? Now, that's not my wife's area of expertise. But you got to know where you're at. Educating in matters to help them become what? Better. When it comes to, listen, I cannot, I can't braid a lick of hair. Not a little bit. I can't even, I don't even know how to take your fingers and do that cut, you know, that braid stuff that they be doing. My wife can do hair like nobody bitch. Now, it was, now she said, well, can you at least take, take it down? I can take the stuff down. I can try to comb out the little ends right there, try to hold the stuff. But after that, it's over with for me. I'm going to the next room. I'm through. Can't do a lick more. Are y'all following me? Can't do nothing. But I put it in the hands of somebody who could. And then when, then when, it, when she said, well, I need to take it to another level, we, I tell you, take, take it to a certain person and let them do it. Understand something. People are there to help us in that process. And don't be afraid. Be led by the Holy Spirit, who you ask, and so forth. Second, cultivate the minds and the morals of the person. Now, we as parents and we as fathers can cultivate the minds and the morals of a person, of our child. Third, teaching our children how to proper, properly take care of their body. That's good. That's good. I always wonder why my parents didn't make me eat vegetables. Notice I said made me eat vegetables. It was not violent. They didn't, they didn't know you were eating this vegetable. <laughs> I don't want it. Nasty. Eat a spoonful. Ate <laughs> a spoonful. Now today, well. <laughs> Show the importance of correcting mistakes and how to correct mistakes. We as parents have to really show our children how to repent. By us, what? Repenting. One thing as parents, we've got to learn how to repent. And we have to learn how to tell others how to repent. Lord, look how y'all looking at me now. You know some of the people I see that, that's one of the worst ones to show their children how to repent? Parents. I know you, you well, don't believe me. I'm, I'm going to watch y'all and see how y'all do with this, pro, this particular part of it. This going to, I, sometimes I had to go to my child and say, hey, I was wrong. I had to repent to my own child. Lord, jeez. I felt some kind of way too. But you know what? I was wrong. You know who told me I was wrong? The Holy Spirit told me I was wrong. Who am I going to argue with the Holy Spirit? You were wrong. And you know what? The Holy Spirit ain't got no problem telling you you're wrong, neither. 
and won't even cut an eye. He just say, you're wrong, and so repent and get it right. And when you're wrong, just repent. Show the parent, show the child how to repent. That's all you're really doing. And the Holy Spirit knows that. Because we as parents, we're learning as we go. You have never raised a child like yours. Your child's something different. Yo, look how y'all look at him. Everybody like their child in his. No, your child's something different. They got your genes in them. And that is what we're praying right now. You know, woo, they got your genes. And you know, your genes something else. I'm looking around to make sure I, I want to make sure I get y'all in here to make sure. Yes, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about you as the parent. Your child is something else because they got your genes in them. And you something else too as a dog. You ain't never looked at your child sometime and said, Lord, that's me right there. Lord, I know where they got that from right there. I can't even tell you, can't even say they got it from their mom. Oh, Lord, no, that's me right there. Oh, God. Woo! I can't even get mad when I'm like, Lord, I know where they got that from. I know exactly where they got that from. Woo! Help us, Lord. All they do is say, Lord, just pray that they love she got to the most. Because about five more years of that, boy, we're going to be in trouble, Lord. You got to get that out of them. <laughs> Five, teaching how to curb their passions. You got to teach children how to curb their passions so they don't let their passions get, control their life. Because their passions will control their life if you don't teach them how to curb it. We don't want their passion to control their life. We want them to be led by the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with passion, but they got to be used the right way. All right? Six, provide instructions that aims to increase virtue. You want your child, children to be virtuous children. Virtuous children. Let's say virtuous children. Yes. Teach them virtue. The social media is not going to teach them this, y'all. The school's not supposed to be teaching this kind of stuff. It's up to us as parents, especially spiritual parents, to bring them up like the scripture tells us. Like the scripture tells us. Number seven, be willing to provide chastisement or punishment for wrongdoing when needed. You know, Jesus said, put it like this in Hebrews, I believe it says, uh, for those he loved, those he chastised. Got to be corrected. And anybody know, you should know how to correct your child in a way that brings about change for the better. My mama knew how to correct me. She did. I ain't gonna lie to you. She knew how to correct me. Woo. Hallelujah. I remember when I got about, uh, I think 30, 35, I had my own children or something like that. I went back and told mama, thank you so much for correcting me. I didn't understand it then. I didn't. I ain't gonna lie to you. I couldn't understand why I was being punished like I was. I thought you mean, hate, didn't like me sometimes. I mean, you go through all types of changes mentally and physically. You just got to know and trust God that He knows what He's doing. I had to go back and repent. I appreciate it. I can imagine if I would have, she wouldn't have corrected me like she did, 
I would not have became hopefully a better person than I am today because of a correction. And I appreciate that. And fathers, these are but a few areas we need to gain instruction in so that we can give instructions to our children and lead our households. See, as fathers of OCC, we want to be responsible fathers who embrace our role as a father with joy. We want to embrace this. We want to embrace what the scripture has given us to do. Embrace it. Don't run from it. Don't dread it. I'm like, oh God, I can't believe it. I got to go and take care of the, the, my family. They're your family. They're your family. I don't tell you like my mom used to tell me, but you had them. <laughs> I leave it right there. But embrace it. Enjoy it. Children are great. They are wonderful. They are a blessing. You can get so much joy out of your children. Man, your children make you, mine make me laugh. I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. I love them. I love watching them act like us sometimes. That's one of my favorite things. One of my favorite things. Boy, I, I just look at my child sometimes. You act just like your mama. Woo-hoo! I just start laughing. <laughs> I just start laughing. And, and there she got to the point. <laughs> I remember they used to not. This is just my story. I'm, I'm, par- I'm going. I'm about done, really. Yeah. But they used to not, and they would say the same exact thing almost together and, t- and deny. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, really? Y'all talk? Y'all just said the same exact thing at the same time, and now y'all trying to deny?" Then they shake their head at the same time and walk away at the same time. It was amazing. I used to love it. Oh, this is great, God. Thank you so much, God. I love this. Woo! And then when I, I said, listen, Google can't tell y'all apart. I did the Google pick and they, they pick y'all are the same, they're like the same person. They pick you. I said, this is great. I, I, you can't beat this. Look at this, y'all. Look at this. Wow. This is just wonderful. Woo. She want me to go on, but I got to, this is just good stuff for him. I got, this is fun. But see, if you learn how to embrace this, you can have joy. That God talked about in his word. It's joy. This is wonderful. You watch him grow up. You watch him develop. You watch him. This is beautiful. It's beautiful. And how is it? Because God makes it this way. He makes it this way. And if you, we have joy doing it, I believe it would transfer to our children. And the cycle will continue to repeat itself. You got joy. I got joy. We just keep on bringing that joy. Amen. Responsible Father, stand to your feet. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. On Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.